You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell reflects on his recent travels to Southeast Asia. He also reflects on the first time he left the country. Let's listen in. The topic is be fear, be uncommon, with the thought of, you know, traveling the world. And so to be honest, I got ahead. I prepared a good portion of what I'm going to share tonight while I was on a plane headed to Hong Kong, from Chicago to Hong Kong. About a 15, 16 hour flight. So I had a lot of stuff, a lot of time to think and to write. So that's what I did. And for me, the first thing I would say is there is so much to see. Later in the show, I'm going to share a little bit about the first time I ever left the country and the impact that had on my life. But there's so much to see. And this was my first time visiting China. And I have to tell you, after having been, if I'm blessed to live another decade, this will not be my last time in China. It was a very, very interesting place. I was in southern China, so I didn't get a chance to go north to Beijing and Shanghai and Zion and some of the other large cities in China. I spent most of my time in Hong Kong. And then also I went down to Macau. But, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I absolutely love to travel. And to date, I've had the opportunity to explore over 30 countries and about 260 cities all over the world. I've had the chance to uh, spend a lot of time in some of these places for work, live in some of these places. And so it has made for some interesting experiences and also, I would say have, it's had an indelible impact on me as an individual and a, a lot of how I see the world. And I can remember as a child, I always dreamed about traveling the world, traveling the globe. And I can remember looking through my parents' encyclopedias. They had this set of world book encyclopedias that I used to thumb through. And I would look at, you know, all the different places and ethnicities, and I would be at all of the colors and the different cultures that I would see in those books. And I would just imagine being among them. Like, how would it be to be among, you know, this African tribe that I, I happen to see here in the encyclopedia? I would imagine what it would be like you know, taking in the air and breathing the air and smelling the deep, savory aromas of their cuisines and what those cuisines would taste like. But I, I dreamed of crossing the ocean and trekking jungles to experience basically the full beauty of our planet. You know, this planet we call home, just something I've always wanted to do. And my dreams have come true. And to that point, I am very aware that this is uncommon. What do I mean by that? That a dream came true. I mean, often dreams don't come true for people that way. And so I've had the wonderful opportunity and been blessed to see this dream come true. But to that extent, it's not uncommon for an African-American child from 
the low-income areas of Chicago to reach the age of 18 without seeing Lake Michigan. And what, what is that? For most of the areas in Chicago, it's about five miles away. I've spent a lot of time, more so in the past than I have recently, but a lot of time in some of uh, the schools here in Chicago, working with young people. And it, it has been a shock to me sometimes how few of them have seen different parts of the city or different parts of the city that, you know, we take for granted and we call beautiful. And so the question to that, you know, is why? You know, why is it that a child who, you know, some of them understand how to use the uh, public transportation system, why won't they navigate their way to see, you know, the beaches of Chicago? I mean, we have, what, almost 30 miles of beaches in Chicago? Or at least lakefront, 30 miles of lakefront and almost 20 miles of beaches. So why, why is it that, you know, this child wouldn't do that? And I've come to this conclusion. I would say they won't do that for some of the same reasons, some of us, with the financial means to travel, refuse to leave the country. And believe me, I've gotten it a lot. People say all the time, like, oh, man, you know, I, I would check that out, but I just don't feel comfortable going to another country. As a matter of fact, you know, a family member of mine while I was away said, oh, man, cuz I would love to be there with you. I, I would love to check that out. But I'm just scared. You know, he just put it out there. I'm just scared. I don't want to go to another country. And I, I got to tell you, as an African-American from, you know, who who grew up on the west side of Chicago, who spent a lot of time on the west side of Chicago, who today still spends a lot of time in both the west and south side, I find it interesting. I mean, because, you know, if you look at the news, there's nothing more scary than the streets we live in. Yet, you know, we'll find it, we'll find a way to fear, you know, what we don't know. And for this reason, you know, that low-income child from the south side or west side of Chicago, they would rather navigate the crime-ridden labyrinth of their neighborhood than venture a few miles to experience the beauty of one of the world's most beautiful waterfronts a few miles away. And I can say it's one of the world's most beautiful waterfronts because I've seen a lot of waterfronts all over the world. In Chicago, we've got one of the best. And so we fear what we don't know. Even if it has appeal, rewards, we still fear it. I think I've, I've shared before some dialogue or a quote from Price Pritchard's book, The Unfolding, where he talks about how as human beings, we are more likely to stay away from risk because the impact of pain is far greater than the pleasure of actually winning or gain. And so as a result, we typically we stay away from any type of risk because we remember the pain much longer. And when you win, you know, for some reason, we don't remember that the same way. So to that point, you know, often a lot of us, we just don't travel. And after I return from my travel adventures, I'm often asked, like, man, were you afraid? Like, are you scared to do that? Like, what makes you do that? Or, or I'm called crazy. You know, crazy uh, <laughs> is a, a way that typically we, we refer to people who do things that we don't necessarily understand. And the truth is, I'm not crazy. I'm typically afraid. I'm typically afraid before I go. And typically... There's fear present when I'm planning to go, like when I'm going through the process, when I'm purchasing the airfare, 
I'm asking myself, all right, Linnell, why are you doing this again? Why are you, you know, signing up to go to one of the most densely populated cities in a place where, frankly, you know, there are no African-Americans. I think I saw the whole time in the airport when I first got there, I saw an African-American woman in the airport speaking Cantonese, by the way, very fluently, <laughs> which was cool to see. And then in Hong Kong, I had been there for, uh, I would say, three days before I ran into an African-American businesswoman at Harbor City. And she was out for lunch with a few other uh, Asian colleagues. But, you know, we basically stared at each other like, hey, because <laughs> you just, you know, you don't see us out and about like that in different countries. And so, yeah, it is scary because you're going to a place where you are completely different and um, people don't know you. On the other side of that is the experience and the opportunity to think and see things that are way outside of the box. And so I'll tell you, the first time I left the Western Hemisphere, I was scared. And the Western Hemisphere being North America, Mexico, South America, because typically those are things that we see where we're, you know, we, we get, we, we know. I've been to Mexico before I ever left the country. I, I guess I don't necessarily count that. But the first time I left the Western Hemisphere, yeah, I was afraid. The first time I skydived, I was scared. The first time I scuba dived, I was scared. And I did a whole lot of scuba diving on this trip. The first time I climbed a mountain, I was scared. A whole lot of stuff going through my mind. Nothing like when you hit the summit, though. Nothing like when you hit the summit. Just a, a rewarding experience. The first time I climbed into a small commuter plane, I was scared. I was freaked out. I mean, it's a prop plane, you know, basically... My brother and I used to call them cloud jumpers, but I was scared. And uh, when I booked my flight to Hong Kong, I was scared. Um, so I've been scared a lot. And I would think that, you know, some of you out there may be shaking your head saying, yep, I, I get that. I've been scared, too. And this is what I'll say to you. Try anything new, anything. And fear will always show its head. And that's fear's weakness. If fear had a weakness, its predictability, her predictability would be the weakness. Because do something new, try something new, think about doing something new, and fear will raise its head. It will all of a sudden be your first visitor, your first guest. So if that's the case, if we know that, if we know that, then why do we listen to it? Why do we listen? Because regardless of what you do that's going to be new, it's going to show up. Yet we let it basically dictate how we choose what we're going to do. Now, I'm at a point in my life where I just wait. I just wait. I just wait for her to show up. I wait for fear to show up. And then there's an opportunity to choose courage instead. I remember I was working with a client not too long ago. And what I share with them is choosing is power. Like when you're at a point in your life where you can choose, that's where your power comes. So you're afraid, choose. You know, uh, you, you sense fear, it's an opportunity to choose. All of these are opportunities to choose. And so what I've learned is that fear comes to steal our ability to truly experience life and live life at its full potential. I mean, that's all that's all it is. You know, it's uh, 
if you really, 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 really want to be safe, then maybe you can go get one of those uh, bubbles that Michael Jackson used to have back in the day. But then my question to you is, does that work? Because we see how early he passed away. He wasn't in the bubble, but either way, it just didn't work. Fear is is that cousin, that visitor that will always show up. And so what there is for us to do is simply choose and choosing is power. And I'll tell you, fear makes a risk look bigger than a reward. Fear makes a life that could be memorable average at best. Fear makes greatness seem unreachable. It's almost like fear sets it up so that we meddle with mediocrity for the rest of our lives. Because listening to fear, that's basically how it's going to set us up. And so for the most part, most of us go on living completely tethered by fear. And so the question I have for you tonight is, where does fear have you tethered? Where is it that you are not able to go any further. You haven't been able to get any further from what you know. And what you know is the post, right? That's the post that fear has you tethered to. What is it that has you tethered to that post that you need to start choosing differently to release yourself? All right. Like I said, I had a lot of time on that plane. So, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, being constantly scared and worried about your survival is not the way to live. It's not. And if anything, typically, that's what will take you out sooner. So that's why I'm constantly expanding my comfort zone. I'm constantly challenging my fears. Fear shows up. How can I choose differently? Fear shows up. How can I choose? Because I refuse to relate to a life or relate to life as a struggle rather than the adventure-filled existence that it should be. I mean, and so... To that point, what are you choosing? What are you choosing? And then if it's fear, what are you giving up? What are you giving up? Are you giving up the opportunity to be great and rather average? Are you giving up the opportunity to live a life that's completely fulfilling rather than being mediocre? Are you giving up the opportunity to be unpredictable? And do things that are well outside of your comfort zone. I don't know about you, but for me, I refuse to be average. I do. I refuse to be mediocre. And I refuse to let fear dictate how I will live my life. So what about you? Is it time to loosen fear's grip on your life? And I've said this before. I'll say it again. We all have a seed of greatness. So don't let the weeds of fear choke it out. Feel the fear. Do it anyway. I'm going to say it again. Feel the fear and do whatever it was you were about to do that got you scared. Do it anyway. Because that is how you expand your comfort zone. That is how you live a fulfilled life. And it takes courage. So have courage. Because what I know is this. I'm a living example. I'm flesh and blood like the rest of you and I have my challenges. But anyone who is capable and average is capable of more than average. I shared that the last time I was in the studio. Anyone who is capable and average 
is capable of more than average. So what are your capabilities? Where are you supposed to go? What are you supposed to see? And what, more importantly, are you supposed to do? And are you letting fear stop you? And I'll tell you, it's okay to be scared, but don't let fear stop you. Have courage because the idea for all of us, and this is why I'm on every Saturday night, is to start living the best life possible. I want to share something that uh, I shared with a group of students, I think earlier this year. It was early this year. I had the opportunity to be the keynote speaker at Claflin University's convocation. And they asked me to share a message of visionary leadership with the students and future leaders at the school. And so in my speech, I share five things every visionary leader should know. And the five things I shared were, number one, know your era. Number two, know how to manage your media. Number three, know your purpose. Number four, know how to be an open-minded listener. And number five, to be persistent. All right, so you're probably thinking, all right, Linnell, what does this have to do with travel? What does this have to do with beating fear and being uncommon? Well, let's go back to number one. Know your era. Now, when I shared this with the students, I went on to share what knowing your era meant. And knowing your era means that you know the times in which you live. And, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that you know your century. And what do I mean by knowing your century? Well, I share with the students at Claflin that we live in the 21st century, right? So what marks the 21st century? Well, the best way to do that, and this is in one of the reruns I had while I was on vacation, the best way to do that is to understand what happened centuries before, okay? So when you think about the 19th century, that was the century of, you know, in regards to us as Americans, Abraham Lincoln, right? The Civil War, that was the 19th century. The 20th century was a century of individuals like Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King. Those are individuals who truly define, you know, how we think about the 20th century. And now in the 21st century, one of the individuals who, uh, eh, you know, whether you like him or not, when people look at the 21st century, Barack Obama will be one of the individuals or personalities that people think about when they describe the 21st century. All right, so then what does that mean? Well, and I shared a lot of this. I'm not going to get into it because I really want to get into the travel part. But we're 13 years into the 21st century now, started 2001. And uh, a lot of us don't realize that this is a completely different century, completely different dispensation in regards to how the world is rotating. And so know your century. Then the next thing I told them was to know your world. So how do you know your world? Because the world now is very different than what it was. We don't live to ourselves anymore. We don't. What's happening on the other side of the globe has influence on what happens here. So know your world. The only way to really know your world, I mean, really know it well, is to travel. And you can travel in the books. The cool thing about the Internet is you can travel. You can travel in the Internet, on the Internet. But there's a completely different type of feel 
when you're actually on the ground. And, you know, it's different because you are now engaging with that culture, completely engaging from the time you leave the airport to the time you get to the hotel. You are entrenched in that culture. You're bound by their laws. You're bound by their rules. And so if anything, that by itself will broaden your horizon. But that's not what I'm, I'm really trying to get at. What I'm trying to get at, most importantly, is the thing that travel will do for you is it will inspire you. It will inspire you in ways that are very different from how you've been inspired in the past. And I can't explain it to you other than like this. You cannot stand near the walls of Rome's Colosseum, understanding what took place in those walls and the history of those walls and see them still standing and not be inspired to do just a little something yourself. You cannot touch the bars of Nelson Mandela's Southern African prison, South African prison on Robben Island and not be inspired by the life of that man after seeing, actually seeing and experiencing the cell he sat in. You know, you cannot touch the marble of India's Taj Mahal and look at the perfection of the craftsmanship and not be inspired and not be inspired to do something, something that will leave a mark on this world. That's the gift that travel brings. You will be inspired and later you will know who your competition is. So what do I mean by competition? One of the things I share with the students is globalization is here. And so with globalization being here, often we think that we're competing with each other. You think you're competing with the person in the queue across from you or you're competing with the student who's at your school, who's in your classroom you know, or you're competing with another individual that you can see. But in a globalization environment, that's the furthest thing from the truth. You know, and I shared this with the students at Claflin. The students there, the ones who are in the top 10% of the class, okay, yeah, you should feel good about that. But the rest of the individuals in that class are not your competition. The competition is in China. Because right now in China, it's daytime and somebody is up reading and studying and trying to figure out how to solve one of the world's biggest challenges. That's where the competition is. And you begin to understand that when you're on the ground. Anyway, globalization is here. And so the takeaway for this one, get your passport, get your passport and meet globalization where she is. And that's all over the world, all over the world. It's interesting, some time ago, I had a young man who, uh, he worked for me, and I used to tell him all the time, I say, hey Mike, get your passport, man, get your passport. And I, I am, I am, I am, I don't have the finances to travel, it doesn't make sense to do it. And I told him, I said, if I gave you a key to a house and told you that in order to get in a house, all you needed was a certain amount of dollars, because you have the key, you're more likely to get the dollars than you are if you don't have the key. 
And that's what I would say to anybody who's listening who doesn't have their passport. Like, hey, get your passport. It doesn't matter if you don't think you have the money to travel internationally. There is something. And if you've been listening to me for the past year or two, you know what I'm about to say. There is something about action that begins to open up doors. And so if you get a passport, I will guarantee you that in the next six months, an opportunity for international travel will meet you. That's just how it works. <laughs> That's just how it works. I don't know how to explain it, but it's something about being in action for things like that that presents the opportunity. And what will be sad is if I say this and the international opportunity comes and you don't have the passport, you know, so get the passport. But anyway, that was the long and short of the message I shared with the students at Claflin University. The whole idea was, and I, like I said, I shared, I shared the five things that a visionary leader needs to know. But in knowing your era, you have to know your world. Uh, and then I, I spent a lot of time talking about how they should manage their media, which is something I think that's a whole radio show by itself. Um, knowing your purpose. You know, check this out. Um, so I, I was on this trip a good portion of it by myself. I was in Hong Kong alone. And then when I went to Indonesia, I met up with a group of individuals who I've traveled with before for the scuba diving portion where we, we um, got on a boat in Wakatobi. But let's back up to Hong Kong. So like I said, I was by myself. So I had a lot of time to think. And um, I had written this, this piece that I share with you all, Be Fear, Be Uncommon. In writing that, I was sitting with it and I, I was asking myself, all right, Linnell, are you simplifying this whole idea of fear, this whole idea of how to be fear? Are you simplifying this or are you making it too easy? Is it really about choosing? Is it really about power? And the thing that came to me, and I may not say this right because I wrote it down and I'll, I'll probably do a lot more writing on the subject. So, you know, stay tuned. But the thing that came to me is that having a personal purpose, like having, and I call purpose your North Star or somewhat like your compass, but having a personal purpose and having a compass serves to almost extinguish fear. Because if you know this is why I'm on the planet, like this is why I'm here, and the next step is scary, that provides you a lot of times the courage you need to take this scary step. And often I think one of the reasons we get encapsulated by fear is because we don't know our purpose. We don't know why we're here. We don't know like intrinsically detail why we would take that action that scares us. And so it's much easier to just be afraid, keep it at arm's length, or in some cases, you know, as far away as a 10 foot pole, and say, nope, I'm afraid of that, I'm not going to touch it. And so one of the things I share with the Claflin students around knowing your purpose is that has got to be your number one priority of understanding what your purpose is on the planet. And then of course the other two were know how to be an open-minded listener and be persistent. But ultimately I wanted to share that tidbit about knowing your era so I can get into the piece I shared about knowing your world and the need to travel. All right. So I got a few minutes left and I'll close with this. 
and and this is a story and uh, a piece I shared some time ago related to travel when I was um, in Papua New Guinea, uh, in particular, Kimbi, Papua New Guinea. So a couple of years, I took a similar vacation to this last one, and I spent some time exploring parts of the Southern Hemisphere. So I was Sydney, Australia, Cairns with the Great Barrier Reef, Brisbane, a few other places in Australia. And then I went up to, uh, went north to Papua New Guinea. So for those of you who don't know where Papua New Guinea is, it's north of Australia. And uh, actually right next to Indonesia. It's east of Indonesia. And so while I was on this trip, we happened to uh, have an opportunity to go through the jungle of Kimbi and Papua New Guinea. And so I, I joined a group of hikers and we went through the jungle. And the objective was to get to the summit of Mount Gabuna. Okay. And this was to check out an active volcano crater that was at the top. And active being, it wasn't spewing lava, but you could see traces. You could also see steam and sulfur, all those type of things. Now, as you may suspect, a hike through the jungle, right? Because we had to go from the base through the jungle up to Mount Gabuna. So the hike through the jungle and up to the summit of this mount, there's a certain number of collective challenges, okay, to take on a hike. So for those of you who've hiked, you know what this is. For those of you who haven't, I'll get, I'll get detail. So, for instance, navigation is one of the challenges, right? Going up is, it seems easy, but when you're in a jungle and you can't necessarily see up because, you know, the, uh, basically the, the forestation, it's, it's so thick, you can barely see the sky. So that becomes an issue. You don't know if you're actually going up. It may feel that way, but, you know, it's pretty rugged terrain. Heat is another issue. Can be Papua New Guinea is very hot and humid. So that makes hydration. Another issue, you have to stay hydrated. And then on top of all that, you got bugs. And more than anything, it's not the bugs that I'm so much concerned about, but it's the mosquitoes, the malaria crazed mosquitoes. And then you got wild boars. And then to kind of tap all that off, you got to be able to climb and get steady footing, right? You don't want to fall down or hurt yourself. And then you have to cut through this thick foliage. All right. So those are the collective challenges. So we hired a guy, all right, we hired a Kimby guy who had a machete. So that assisted in the elimination of about three of those challenges. And so the navigation piece was gone, the wild boars, which we did see, <laughs> and the guy had to kill, that was taken care of. And then, of course, cutting through the really thick foliage. I don't know why I can't say that word, foliage, and the uh, jungle was taken care of as well. All right, so long story short, two and a half hours into the climb, the only thing I think most of us were worried about at this point was, you know, do we have enough water? You know, because we were going through our water supply and then our physical stamina. And then things got crazy. It started raining. And now to be clear, this wasn't a drizzle, okay? When it's raining in the jungle, I mean, it was like sideways monsoon. It began raining so hard that it became difficult to see what was directly in front of you. Like, I mean, I literally, like opening my eyes, water was getting in my, getting in my eyes. And so that's when the climb up this mountain became, you know, went from fairly challenging to somewhat difficult. And then the jungle floor turned to slippery mud and the rocks that, you know, we, we used to be able to grab or the fallen logs that you can, you know, kind of get stable on became deceptively unstable and often unpredictably weak. So after the party of four climbers, we, you know, we barely managed to climb a muddy ridge. A guy had an idea. He was like, I tell you what. 
you know, you guys stay put under this large tree and uh, I'm going to go off into the jungle for a second to see if I can figure this out. And so he went off into the jungle. And when he came back, he had four strong uh, bamboo walking sticks. And he assembled these uh, walking sticks uh, with the help of his machete. You know, just chopped them off at the top and at the bottom. Um, and I got to tell you, these walking sticks were amazing. They were absolutely amazing. It was like, you know, being able to walk with an extra arm or an extra leg just gives you a lot more stability. And so we climbed up the rest of the mountain. You know, the rain eventually stopped and it made what was, you know, an arduous, you know, that the rain made what, what was an arduous journey even harder. But the point of me telling you this story and to close was that when I'm working to achieve a goal or climb my own figurative mountains, the question I have is who or what is your walking stick? Like I said, once we had those walking sticks, regardless of the circumstances, the rain, the monsoon, the mud, it made things a lot easier. It provided a different level of support. And having someone I know for me who supports me and who can help me stabilize my climb, my figurative climb and life is really important. I can't take any credit for anything I've accomplished myself alone. There's always been some type of support. So what about you? When life becomes demanding, who is your walking stick? Just like coming down the mountain in the rain was twice as hard for us, it's the same way in life. When life gets rough, when the going isn't so nice, or you're down in your luck, as we sometimes say, you know, that's when a coach, a spouse, a teammate become even more valuable commodities in most of our lives. So to close tonight, this brings me to the following questions. You know, we're talking about be fear, be uncommon. But typically it takes encouragement to have courage, encouragement to have courage. So do you have a walking stick? Who is your walking stick? And then the second question is, does this person or the people who are your walking stick, do they know it? Do they know that they support you this way? And three, have you told them thanks for being your walking stick in life recently? Just thank you for all that you do. And if the answer to any of those is no, then, hey, don't start the week next week with that no. You know, make them all a yes. All right. And I'll read this statement. In the end, we only regret the chances we didn't take. So don't let fear create a life for you that you later regret. This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.